Welcome to Medicine for Good podcast. I am your host, Dr. Julieta Gabiola, Clinical Professor of Medicine at Stanford University. What drew me to medicine was the science, the innovation, and the promise for a comfortable life. But what has kept me in medicine are the real people, their lives, and their stories, as well as the translation of medical innovations into practical applications. This podcast will explore experiences beyond the walls and corridors of the hospital, laboratories, and clinics. I invite you to share in our journey seeking to preserve and improve our lives, our sense of balance, and our well-being. Be your good friend and be kind to yourself. Yesterday, as I prepared for this podcast, I started practicing mindfulness. I sat down and in my immediate space, I saw my two brooms. I have this one and then I have this other one. And then I said, hmm, I think pretty soon I will need replacement of this one. And I could see the wear and tear. Yes, replace. And then the next one, perhaps, in a month. So think of that for a moment. And then I was thinking, oh, that's easy to replace. And then I saw my plant. And this is my plant. I said, ooh, this needs TLC. It needs watering. It needs fertilizing. Gee whiz, how could I ignore this plant? Then I put my watch on. Yes, it's fully charged. It will last for more than 24 hours. Then I took my phone from my charger, started checking my emails, responded mindfully on how the battery got depleted from all the usage in such a short time. Then I said, well, perhaps the phone is an old version and could not hold the charge anymore. Time to think of replacement, an upgrade perhaps. And then I started my car, started blinking, oil, battery, maintenance, level C maintenance. I don't know, what is that level C maintenance? Oh, of course, I have not had the chance to go for service in almost a year. Yikes! Yet for ourselves, we fail to gauge our depleted energy. We don't feel that our batteries need recharging, or we may feel it and deny it and ignore it. Our body needs maintenance as well, but we don't have those gauges. We don't have those reminders. So we have to remind ourselves. So our hearts, our minds, and souls need nurturing like my plant. It's all about supply and demand. If the demand is high, the supply gets depleted. Nowadays, the demand is so high during this COVID-19 pandemic, our supplies are getting depleted. But how often do we stop and reflect on how am I doing? How many of us are aware that our batteries are off warranty? Not many. Until we fail to function, until we burn out, until our energy or mind quit, until we cannot take it anymore and commit suicide, or until our loved ones leave us as they cannot take it anymore. Few podcasts ago, I invited few Filipino nursing leaders to explore the reason why Filipino nurses are disproportionately affected by COVID-19 in terms of number of infections and deaths. Of course, they're frontliners. They work in the ERs and the ICUs. They're busy. But one of the reasons offered by one of the leaders was lack of self-care. For this, he was highly criticized by a lot of the Filipino nurses. But then if one dissects that issue on hand, there is some truth to that comment. 
we lack self-care, we lack self-love, and we lack self-compassion. Doctors, from the very start of their career, which is from high school for many of us, we were taught to work hard and remain focused on that trajectory from high school to college, through medical school, residency, fellowship, and so on. It doesn't stop. You have to be on top of your class. You have to be always on high performance. A- minus is not good enough. Regular courses are not good enough. You have to take AP courses as early as sophomore. Yes, we all get rejected many times in our career and we just take it. We tell ourselves, well, if you do not work hard enough or you do not sacrifice more, you won't get to where your destination is. You won't realize that dream to go to med school. So what do we do? We do not go on vacation with our families. Relationships get sacrificed. Our bodies, our mind, and our hearts get sacrificed all the time. Burnout among physicians is as high as 40 to 50%. Suicide is in parallel with that compared to other professions. The reason? Too much pressure, not too much recharging. And then, of course, this pandemic even challenges more. Today, I invited a couple of special guests, guests who believe, practice, and breathe self-compassion. Victoria Brattini is a founder of Laguna Meditation in Laguna Beach, California, and a senior teacher for the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion. She has studied with Kristen Neff, PhD, and Christopher Germer, PhD, both pioneers, researchers, leaders, and evangelists in the field of self-compassion. Victoria is passionate about teaching, inspiring, and mentoring people in self-compassion. We have Suzanne Flecker, PhD, is a retired somatic psychologist and educator. Her passion is on giving. She organizes teams that provide services to nurses for Nurses Week, as well as weekly program for medical professionals at Kaiser Permanente Medical Center. She leads workshops and creates visual and auditory practice aids, such as self-sanity, we need that, and cognitive behavior card set. So welcome, Victoria and Suzanne. I am stoked to have you today. I have so many questions. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. And of course, as a doctor who always starts my day with hundreds of messages and hundreds to-do lists, my mind is already racing and cluttered just right now. So to quiet my mind and get centered, may I ask either one of you to get me centered by giving me an example on what a one-minute exercise on self-compassion looks like today. Could we start that? We can. I'd be happy to do that now that we're physically here. The following short meditation is going to help us to bring our hearts and our minds into the present moment. Begin simply by listening to the sounds in the room, sitting in the midst of them, just letting them come to you, whatever may be here. And now, in your mind's eye, just finding your body in this room just sitting in the midst of the sound and perhaps even welcoming yourself into your room, greeting yourself with an inner smile. When was the last time you smiled at yourself? Now just incline yourself in a way that you would towards a very dear friend. Let your heart open like you would for a friend who might be struggling and dropping your awareness into your body, just notice, just for a few moments, 
the physical sensations in your body as they come and go. Some of them may be pleasant, some of them may be unpleasant, some of them may be neutral. To just becoming aware, you're noting what sensations your body is showing you. Particularly noticing any sensations of uneasiness in your mind and body. And see if you can let your heart soften a little. Just letting your heart melt a little because there's uneasiness. There's a bit of suffering here. And now, just appreciating the effort and the good intentions that brought you here. Already an act of compassion or self-compassion. And when you're ready, gently opening your eyes, coming back into the room. Wow, that was powerful, Victoria. I think I would say I could probably use that when my mind is so cluttered, when I have millions of things to do, to just Mm -hmm. try to quiet down and feel Mm -hmm. the moment. Two main components there. Just bringing in awareness that you're aware of what's happening within your body on the mind level, the thought level, the emotional level, and bringing kindness to what's there. Awareness and kindness. Could we tease down the components of that one-minute meditation as an act of self-compassion? What are the elements that I should be aware of? As a scientist, sometimes I have to understand the components of that to be able to integrate them. Can you comment on like what are the different elements of that one-minute exercise that you just did? The first element is awareness or mindfulness. And we know that John Kabat-Zinn made mindfulness a really big word in our current day culture. But mindfulness is simply awareness of what is here for me. I scan my body to see physically, especially if you're really busy, you may have tightness in your shoulders or your neck or your back or your head. So I'm aware of what the physical sensations are that are going on in my body. I'm also going to check in with my thoughts, the awareness of what my thoughts are. Do I have planning brain, racing brain? Am I jumping all over the place? Am I totally uncentered? My thoughts are just not able to settle down. So again, I'm aware of what's happening in my thought center. And then I'll scan my emotional framework. Am I feeling happy? Am I feeling sad, frustrated, anxious, depressed, fearful, overwhelmed? What's here for me? Then I can bring some kindness to myself. This is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. May I be kind to myself in this moment? May I give myself the compassion that I need? And the component, you know, we start out with mindfulness. Suffering is a part of life. That's common humanity. Every one of us suffers. We have pain of some sort or another. It's just the way life is, no matter how much we want to resist having it, it's there. But acknowledging it lets us feel less isolated, less alone. Every person in the world suffers. And then, can I bring kindness to myself? That's the compassionate part. Can I hold this suffering with tenderness and with tender, loving awareness? This is all part of life. This little shift, and I teach my students, this is a practice. We do it over and over and over again. It's a drop-by-drop practice. But the more that I can attend to myself with loving, connected presence, the better my outcomes will be. 
That's wonderful. That's wonderful for you to clarify those different domains. So to clarify, so you have to be present or mindful. Mm -hmm. And second, this is a part of human experience. Everyone suffers. So it basically normalizes that it's part of humanity. And then the third one, remind me, it's like self-bringing bringing yourself to it and bringing love and tenderness and warmth into the moment, Mm -hmm. even if it's emotionally charged. Absolutely. And the reason for that is that we want to activate our caregiver system. Most of the time, especially in healthcare where we're busy all the time, we are in survival mode. So we're in fight, flight, or freeze. We want to activate the caregiver, the mammalian system. The way that caregiver system, the three universal triggers of compassion are, this is what's going to work in our brain and to release some oxytocin. We want soothing touch, gentle or soft vocalization, and physical warmth. So when I say to myself, this is a moment of suffering, I generally put my hand up to my heart. This is soothing touch. This activates my brain, my parasympathetic nervous system to start releasing some oxytocin. Now, of course, if I'm in the middle of a big meeting or a couple of years ago when I was in a court meeting, I wasn't putting my hand on my heart. Sometimes we can't do that. But I could go like this or I could simply rub one of my arms or I could rub my leg. Again, I'm signaling soothing touch. And the inner conversation is one of soft, gentle vocalization. So I might say something like, oh, honey, this is hard right now. Oh, this is a moment of suffering. Or wow, this is a lot to bear right now. Can I bring myself some compassion? And so I'll change the conversation will come from one of loudness generally, because I'll be screaming at myself, to one of softness, of quietness, of calmness. Our brains hear the change. Our brain hear and start to relax when we are soft and gentle with ourselves. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I like what you said, Victoria. So Suzanne, when you teach people how to be self-compassionate, you go through those same elements? Yes. I'm going to add to what Victoria just shared. And that is one of the things that I do too, like I'll hold my hands like this, just very simple things, putting your hands on your face, crossing your arms, anything like that can be just really helpful. The other thing is touching something that's soft or something that feels good. And one of the things that I noticed that I never really did notice before I started in on this practice was that a lot of my clothes are very soft. You know, when I cross my arms and just feel my sweater, it's soft. And so that's also something that's very easy to do. And it's very easy to do. I don't have to close my eyes. I can do it all through my day. And that's what I really like about mindful self-compassion. It's teaching us practices that we can use. And we don't have to just be sitting and in a meditative stance. We can use these practices. They take a few seconds just for us to tune back in and to check in with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'd like to share with the audience because everybody can do it. And it does 
doesn't take a lot of training. All it does is it takes me to begin to look for when Victoria was talking about being in self-doubt or being loud with ourselves. I just wanted to start in looking at my day, going through a day, seeing and just noticing, okay, when am I really coming out at myself? And that's just a very simple practice just to begin, just to notice and begin to be aware. That's wonderful. As I rewind, like you were just talking and I just rewind my mind to when I lost my husband 27 years ago. And as a single mother, I was in that space that my mind was crowded with lots of self-doubts. Would I be able to carry through my two kids who were only eight and nine at the time? Could I do this? How could I support ourselves? I couldn't work double time and be present on their soccer basketball, singing, choir practices, parents, teachers conference, I started doubting myself. And I felt really lost and so alone and so helpless. Then I started picking myself up and say, okay, well, nobody would do this for you, Julieta, you might as well just do it. And as I reflect back, those will be the times if I knew how to do being compassionate to myself and be reflective and be mindful. That would probably be wonderful. And yet, you know, we just keep charging, right? Because that's how I grew up that, you know, you just keep charging life is tough. So you just keep charging. So to model that now, what I'm learning, as we get older, we get more wisdom, but we don't model this enough to our children, we don't model it to our students. And I teach and I always try to say, oh, be self compassionate, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yet we don't do it. I would go to many different directions, like 100 different directions in a day. And I don't say no. And in so doing, I feel depleted. Sometimes at the end of the day, I don't have any more to give totally depleted. So I think for our audience, how would you tell them to set those gauges, to set those reminders to themselves? Sometimes we put that in our computer because we sit a lot nowadays on our computer. We a reminder there, stand up because we're sitting for too long. Could you give reminders to ourselves throughout the day? Hey, you know, you haven't checked in with yourself. I'll give you three reminders. One is called stop. And the S is for stop. The T is for take three deep breaths. The O, observe what's here for you, what's here physically, mentally, emotionally, and then proceed. So you're really tapping into your awareness, what's here. And if there's pain here, you know discomfort, giving yourself some soothing touch. I model this for my, I have two grown sons and I'm the very proud grandmother of three little girls. Congratulations. Thank you. All the time. Just stop for a moment. Take three deep breaths. Observe what's here. Are you racing around? Is your head over full? Just being aware of what's here, maybe breathing into it and then moving on. The second little skill or tip, I call these tools in my toolbox. I'm a caregiver. I took care of my parents, my dad, you know, kids, you know, the usual things. 
So there's a caregiver fatigue break that I like to say, and I have this one. I have this actually written in my phone. So when I get overwhelmed and I can't remember the words myself, even though I've said it many times, I can look it up. And the caregiver fatigue break says everyone is on his or her own life's journey. I am not the cause of this person's suffering, nor is it within my power to make it go away, even though I wish I could. Moments like this are hard to bear, yet I may still help if I can. And sometimes I will just repeat that many times in the course of the day. Everyone is on his or her own life journey. And reminding myself of that allows me to give myself compassion as the witness for this person's suffering and the person that would like to help, but it's often out of my control. So I can give myself compassion for that pain, but I can also send compassion to that other person without losing myself in it, without getting lost. So I'm still taking some deep breaths for me. I may send out some breaths for that person also. And the other one is just going back to soothing touch, just putting my hand on my heart. It's like my little message center. Be kind to yourself, Victoria. Be here for you. If I'm here for me, I can be here for you too. But if I'm not here for me, I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. There's nothing left. So I may also say the biggest and most important question in mindful self-compassion is what do I need? So in this moment, I may need a five-minute break. I've been known to just go in the bathroom to take a five-minute break. It's like, okay, in the bathroom, take a few deep breaths, recharge, reset, remember, soothing touch for yourself, kindness, calmness, and move forward. Sometimes if I'm lucky, it's a walk out in nature because we know that the research shows that nature is so such an incredible healer. So if I can't be out in nature, I'll look to see if there's a plant around and I'll just focus on the leaves or the flowers or something just for a half a minute even. It helps the brain to recharge, to reset. Mm -hmm. So I'm just cultivating moments throughout the day. It's nice when we can have big chunks, but the reality, as you well know, are moments. Just taking some moments for yourself throughout the day. Lunchtime, break time, I love a good cup of tea. I'll make a cup of jasmine tea and I will be mindful with that cup of tea if I'm overwhelmed. I will take a nice big inhalation smelling the beautiful jasmine, feeling the warmth of the cup in my hand, feeling the warm liquid in my mouth going down my esophagus to my stomach. Those mindful, caring moments are very important. They sound like really small things, but they're really big things. So those are just a few of the tips I can share. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump in on that and share with you that what's been very helpful for me is really being able to focus on my breathing. And one of the ways that I have found very helpful is the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion has what's called circle of practices. There's no charge. There are Zoom calls or Zoom videos. They're global. And they are at 5 a.m., 7 a.m., and 4 p.m. Pacific time. And those practices, I'll do one in the morning and that will help me just focus in on my breath. So like right now, I can focus in my breath very, very easily. The other thing that I'll do too is I'm a fan of post-its. So I'll use post-its. My phone has a couple of things on them. I have an iPhone and in my recorded messages, I have a one-minute meditation. I also have what 
Victoria just read. And that for me is super helpful. What I've been able to do too is to become more aware of the things that really allow me to self-soothe. And I do too. You know, I like looking at things. I like looking at nature. And I also really like listening. And I've found that I'm much more tuned into songbirds. I'm much more tuned into very simple things like a train horn far away. And that for me has just been really, really helpful. And we can do that any time of the day. That really resonates with me because for now, we do a lot of telemedicine, right? So I really miss the face-to-face encounter where Mm -hmm. I could decipher a person, where they are, what is their emotional state. You could still do that on telemedicine, but less so. You don't see the other gestures and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So it's a trade-off. But then Mm -hmm. there's so much like stationary. You're there in front of your computer. And so it really resonates with me that for me to just like look around me. And so what I see is the sterile part of the room if I was in the hospital. And in my room here, I see clutter on my desk and (laughs) and stuff like that. It's nothing really relaxing. So yesterday when I was kind of like preparing for this, I said, well, let me just practice mindfulness. All of a sudden I see a lot of things that are very relaxing, even just like the mangoes on my desk. You know, I said, oh, they smell so good. I even forget how they smell, but we forget those. We forget to see Mm -hmm. the texture from your orange. You don't hear the birds anymore because Mm -hmm. your mind is just so cluttered and conditioned to what you have to do on hand. Mm -hmm. So I think to do those times that you just be present, I think that really would do it. I have another suggestion for you. There's an app from Plum Village. Plum Village is one of Tet Nahan's, the great Vietnamese meditation teacher. Plum Village is in France. But there's an app called Plum Village, and there's a meditation timer on it. And I have mine set for every 15 minutes, but you could set it for just once an hour. I'm just going to pull it up for a second. This little timer... It's very gentle. I've had other meditation timers that aren't so gentle. This one is really gentle and it resonates. When this goes off, it's just a signal to me, take a deep breath. Just take a breath or put my hand on my heart just as a way or rub my arm or touch my face in a way that I got away from touching my face with (laughs) (laughs) COVID-19. But a soothing thing. And for me, it plays in the background of my mind every 15 minutes. It's just one bell. And it's just my little reminder to be mindful, to be aware, to give myself compassion. And you may want to try that. No one else is going to know why that bell's going off. Reminds me, you know, my childhood was, my parents were very Roman Catholic. And so we went to church a lot. And the bells of the church, I grew up in a very Italian neighborhood, lots of church bells. I love church bells. And so it just brings back that inner sense of peace within me. Just a tiny little trigger, a little reminder of peace, of calm, of self-compassion. And yet that's so simple that you're not really escaping to a place, right? So sometimes I do something akin to that, like when I will read a patient's chart and I said, oh my goodness, I'm seeing this person. And you get really tight already because you know it's a problem patient. It really just 
just exerts a lot of emotional tightness in you. Like, mm. oh my goodness. So usually if I feel that and I look at my schedule, I try to schedule those at the end of the day because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But if I have that particular patient at the beginning of the day, I said, oh my goodness, it will ruin my day. So I already mm. set myself up. And so what I do is before I knock on the door, I take like few deep breaths, center myself. I'm not going to be affected by this. I'm going to try to just listen, no judgment, just listen and try to always be aware. I cannot respond negatively to this. And the deep breaths really just help me center before I knock on that door. Is that what you would suggest or would you suggest other ways to do something different? I would suggest a deep breath. I would also suggest Rick Hansen, who's a wonderful researcher at Berkeley, has done a lot of studies on happiness. And when you have a negative experience, as you just described, negative experiences tend to stick to our brain like Velcro. Positive experiences tend to slide off like Teflon. So how do we get those positive experiences to stick better? Well, whenever we have something pleasant happening, we have to savor it for 10 seconds. If I'm savoring that warm cup of tea, or if you've had a number of patients that you really enjoy being with, just taking a few moments to savor that experience. These people are really a pleasure to serve and to work with and allowing that deep into your brain. And in that, you can also offer some gratitude. I'm really grateful to have these experiences and these people in my day also. That helps to offset some of the negativity that comes through. So savoring for 10 seconds and then offering gratitude allows pleasant experiences stick in our brain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And most of us have that very common experience. I told this in a meditation class recently. I had a hundred and some people in the meditation class. All but one comment was good, was really supportive, really great. But what did I focus on? That one comment. And I had to keep going back and favoring the good part and remembering that everyone's experience is different. And it was not necessarily a reflection of my teaching that day or who I am as a person. People just bring different things to it. And so not taking things so personally. So I had to savor a lot that day to kind of offset that negative activity. And what I also did is smile at it because here again is having a lot of equanimity for all the experiences that we have and not resisting our moment to moment experience, but welcoming it, not trying to change whatever is here for us, not wishing for an experience other than what we're having, but giving compassion to all of it, being present for all of it. And also reminding ourselves that we're part of common humanity and that other people are having these experiences too. We're not alone. And I also have Plum Village, the app on my phone. And I also, every 15 minutes, am kind of checking in with myself. And the thing that's really neat is that I know Victoria is doing it too. And so it keeps me from going into this place of thinking that I'm all alone. And I think, I know that when I I was working, that was one of the biggest things that caused me a lot of stress is that I thought in this situation, nobody else is having it and I'm by myself. So that for me has been really, really helpful too. 
Yeah, I think in terms of what you said, Victoria and you, Suzanne, that the negative experience are the ones that stick. And when we get praised or acknowledged and stuff like that, it just kind of like get brushed off. We don't even, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the ones that we failed or we did not act appropriately or you got hit in the hand, that stays with you forever. I think it's the way it makes you feel. You feel so so bad. So how do you bounce that off? You're saying that you think positive about that negative experience. How do you do that? I remind myself when you practice self-compassion, you're able to realize that you're just human and that in being human, mistakes happen. Things can be said that you regret. Regrets happen. And I can forgive myself for that. I can say, okay, so that didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to go. This is the moment of suffering. And I'm willing to try again. I can ask for forgiveness. I can begin again. Unlike when I'm self-critical. Unfortunately, most people think that when you're self-critical, that it's a good motivator. It's actually a horrible motivator. Because when we're self-critical, it really badgers our self-confidence. And when our self-confidence is down, we're not willing to try as hard. And we're afraid of failure. When you're self-compassionate, you're not afraid of failing. You're aware that you're a human, that you're going to make mistakes, that things are going to happen that aren't going to go the way you intended, but that I can start again from a good place, from a place of caring, of loving, of kindness. I don't beat myself up for those negative things anymore. I feel badly about them. I'll attend to the discomfort that comes with having made a mistake or losing my temper that day or feeling angry, but I can start again because I'm not afraid of failing. I know I'll succeed. And I just do that with a lot of tenderness, a lot of loving tenderness. You know, this is a moment of suffering. Yeah, yeah. I guess that fear, right? So why is it hard for people to love themselves? Why is it hard to do self-compassion? Why is it that people feel that self-care or paying attention to yourself is indulgence and selfishness? Mostly it's cultural. Mostly that's the way we've all been conditioned. And we have this isolationist kind of attitude because of the conditioning, whether it's the culture that you were brought up in, the family that you were brought up in, the schooling that you had. The fact of the matter is that there are many, many components for why we feel or have the thoughts that we have. And most of them were out of our control. Some of them are genetically, some emotional experiences can be handed down. Generation, like Trauma can come from generations of generations, our ancestors experience it. The culture, in an American culture, we're taught to be fiercely independent. So we're afraid to admit that we've made a mistake. We're afraid to try or to express our vulnerability because in this culture, it can be seen as a weakness. And yet, as the research that Brene Brown has done so much of and so beautifully, is it's actually a sign of strength to be vulnerable. We work better, we do better, we help each other better when we are able to make ourselves vulnerable. We're showing our humanity. And in this, we can all try. We can respect each other's differences, but we're just human and we're doing the best we can. And once we really begin to absorb that, and I call it I like to use the analogy of it. It's like a gentle rain on you. And the ground has to soak in that gentle rain to really absorb. And that's what self-compassion is like. Can't just kind of dump it in and expect you're going to have it right away. It's a practice. And as I tell all of my students, it's drop by drop. Drop by drop, you fill up that cup. 
and it becomes easier and easier. You'll start smiling at this. It's good to know, as you know, I am an avid fan of lifelong learning, that it's never mm-hmm. too late to learn and could probably hear that we always call medicine as the practice of medicine. We keep mm-hmm. practicing it. So mm-hmm. I guess we could start practicing self-compassion and keep going at it uh, mm-hmm. until it's really deeply ingrained in us. Believe it or not, we are on our time mark, and I like the two of you to give our listeners some take-home points. For take-home points, I would say do the stop exercise, you know, just the S for stop right now. Take three deep breaths, observe what's in you, whether it's your thoughts, your feelings, your physical sensations. Breathe into them. Notice that you're suffering. Be kind to yourself. Proceed. And I would also suggest that use a mindfulness timer, some other timer through the course of the day, just to take some deep breaths just for you. Maybe some soothing touch, holding your hand on your heart. And if you don't want to do this out in public, every time you go to the restroom, put your hand on your heart. Just feel that warmth, that internal warmth that you can bring to yourself. Let your heart melt for you. Suzanne? I'm going to share, there are meditations, mindful self-compassion meditations on the Center for Mindful Self-Compassion website. If you Mm -hmm. go to practice and then meditations, and also Chris Germer has a website and so does Kristen Neff. She has a website and there are a number of meditations there. You can also get more information, see some of the research too that's done on the practice. And I think the big thing is just to try it out. It's not difficult and to keep it up, even if it's just for a few minutes every day, it will build on itself. And for me, at least there are tools that I'm just so grateful that I have and that I can share. So thank you. Thank you so much. And Suzanne, Victoria, I do appreciate it. More to follow. Thank you. you. Have a wonderful day. You too. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Medicine for Good podcast. If you enjoy the show, please share with family and friends. Rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Acast, and YouTube. Follow me on social media at Dr. Jet on Twitter and Facebook. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay well, and stay connected. See you on our next episode.